This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then truly, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly. Again, this is Paul speaking. This book, I love Ephesians and Philippians because to me they're the happy books. If if Pharrell wrote a book of the Bible, I'm so happy. It would be Philippians and Ephesians. I like these books. But what's interesting is Paul's actually in prison. He's actually a captive. He's actually beaten and left alone. And in the middle of that, he is encouraging us. You know what encouragement is, right? It's when you loan your courage to someone else. When someone encourages you, they're like, I got enough courage, I can give you some of mine. Paul is encouraging us. He has more courage than most of us have on a good day. On one of his bad seasons, he has enough courage to loan to us. He says, I wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and Purpose, don't be selfish. Try to, don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He gave up his privileges. He was not entitled. He took a humble position. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking more of others. Sometimes on the East Coast, we have false humility. We think we're the have-nots. We're, the, we're the, the, the least part of the country. No, we, you can think a lot of yourself, but that's not humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking more of others. Jesus knew who he was. He was confident in who he was, but humbled himself by thinking more of us than of his own privileges. And it says he was a humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue will declare, every mouth, every Twitter page, every Facebook ad, everyone will declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. My God, that, that, that just preached by itself. Try to get applause like that from Harry Potter. Come on, somebody. That's the best-selling book of all time. If you're taking notes today for these next few minutes, I want to talk on this topic from Philippians chapter 2, Get an Attitude. Look at your neighbor and say, Get an Attitude. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for this amazing church. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you that you humbled yourself and made yourself of no reputation, that you can give us a good reputation. God, thank you for your strength and your power today. I pray if anyone today is in need, Father, physically, emotionally, I pray financially, I pray relationally that, God, you would meet us where we are. God, would you raise us up in health today. We are encouraged today by your faithfulness and love to us. Father, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. In the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody said, you ever meet someone with a bad attitude? Now, if you're married right now, you need to look straight ahead. Husbands, help me. Help, do not, as tempted as you are, to nudge someone right now. Your wives are allowed to nudge you, but you cannot nudge them. That's the only rule I know. You ever meet someone with a bad attitude? 
Attitudes have an atmosphere and a presence, don't they? You ever walk into a room where you know there's a bad attitude? Like, the music's not different, the decor's not different, but when you walk in a room, you're happy-go-lucky, you're just having, and you walk into a room, you're like, ooh, it's an icebox in here. It's the middle of August, and you're like, something's wrong in this room. You ever, you ever come across a bad attitude? Some of you are too afraid to put your hand up right now. You just feel like you could just get in trouble with whoever you're sitting next to. Bad attitudes. Attitudes have an atmosphere. Uh, I remember one of my worst moments ever in preaching, and there's been many, I remember I was in Quebec preaching at a brilliant church, a breathtaking church, amazing people, amazing leadership. And a few years ago, I was preaching and thinking on this topic of attitudes have an atmosphere. And I was preaching with a translator, and I barely speak English. And to try to translate what I'm saying, I speak so fast, and I slur my speech. And this guy, my my friend Jean-Frédéric, said, I'll translate for you in front of these 600 people. And it was his church, and he's the associate pastor. And he had never translated in front of people before. So his first time was with me. So courage. He had a lot of courage. And he said, I'll translate. So we get up there and I'm preaching on the Sunday morning. And I'm going and I'm encouraging and I'm preaching. And I'm talking about how Jesus was the ransom for our sin. Jesus came and, and God bankrupted heaven and traded Jesus for our us. And like in movies, when the ransom is paid for freedom and, 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 and they exchange for a loved one, they give money or they give gold or they give something of value in trade. I was talking about how Jesus is the ransom for our sin. Jesus came and paid the price so we could be free. And I made this comment in the middle of this going and, and preaching and feeling like I was connecting with these people and they were amening and it was exciting. And I said, I said, you ever notice in movies that, that the bad guys are always wearing black? My translator translated and the whole room went quiet. And I didn't know what had happened, but I felt the atmosphere shift in the room. I was like, I don't know what happened, but something just switched. They were amen and they were laughing, they were cheering, and all of a sudden the whole room went quiet. I didn't know what happened. I kept preaching for a minute thinking, maybe they're being convicted. Maybe I am just stirring them at the core, at the deepest level. I thought maybe right now, God, you are just, just moving on lives. I, I, and, but that wasn't it. I get talking, and my next point was, I was like, you ever notice that bad guys never wear pastel colors in movies? They're never wearing a salmon cardigan. You ever notice that? And all of a sudden, he stops and goes, oh, Mike, stop, stop, stop. I am so sorry. And he says something in French. And all of a sudden, the whole place goes, ah. <sighs> he stops the whole service. and says, Mike, you got to understand what I trans... You said all bad guys wear black. What I said, I thought you said, was all bad guys are always black. <laughs> Half the church was from Sierra Leone. I knew something switched in the room. I'm so thankful that he corrected because I knew thoughts have a presence and because the attitude changed, the atmosphere changed. I still never got that service back where I needed it to be, but I'm so thankful that he corrected and there was grace in the room. Uh, He never translated for me again, by the way. (laughs) I'm reminded that attitudes have an atmosphere. I don't know if you're aware of that, but... In that atmosphere, in that room, the atmosphere changed because the attitude changed. An atmosphere always determines the altitude. There was no way I was getting that sermon off the ground because of the atmosphere and the attitude of the room. Attitudes have an atmosphere. Philippians 2, Paul's encouraging us. He's talking all about attitudes in our faith community, attitude in our spiritual journey, attitudes in our churches. 
Paul's trying to encourage us from his prison cell going, I don't know how much time I have left, so let me encourage you the importance of the right attitude when you come together. I think it's fascinating that he would take his moments to talk about something as simple as unseen stuff like attitudes. That's what Philippians 2 is about. Philippians 2 is trying to get the right attitude. Understanding the right attitude leads to the right atmosphere, and the right atmosphere will help you achieve the right altitude for making a difference in the community that you're in. Here's the key foundational truth you need to know today is God is a creator. God builds things. So much of media and world is criticism and tearing things down. You ever around just, it seems like the news is always tearing something down. Some, somebody with an opinion wants to tear down someone in authority, whether they deserve it or not. It just seems always tearing something down. God is not a criticizer. God is a builder. So many critics, they just want to tear things apart. But God is a builder. He's a builder of churches. He's a builder of people. He's a builder of lives. He takes things that are a mess, that have been demolished by life and sin and pain, and he builds things back together. That's why we sing about building my life, that where am I changed now? Why? Because God took me where I was at my worst and wants to build me into his image. God is a builder. He's Bob the builder. He's God the builder. He is a builder. It's foundational. And many times God builds using two ingredients. Now I've said this often, but it's a foundational truth. He builds with two ingredients. One is community and one is cause. That's what he does when he builds. He always gathers people and then he grows something. Community and cause. We see it in God the Father in Genesis. The first thing he did was he, he in creation, he gets to the point where he's going to start launching legacy and he creates man and creates woman and he gathers them together and they create community and then he gives them a cause and says, go and lead this thing. You have dominion. You are leadership. God gathers and builds community and then he introduces cause. Jesus, God, the Son, shows up, and his first act in ministry is to gather. He says, follow me, follow me, follow me. And he gathers people together, and then he grows them by introducing cause. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I'm going to build you into something. I'm going to build you into leaders. I'm going to build you into people that are going to lead this thing. Follow me, community, and then I'm going to give you cause. God, the Holy Spirit, is coming. He's showing up. And Jesus says, he's coming, he's coming. Gather together, get together, community. Stay together, pray together, live together, eat together, do life together. Because when he comes to your community, he's going to give you a cause to be witnesses or influencers in this thing. And influence a generation, influence culture, influence society. You're going to be witnesses of the power of the goodness of God. He always gathers community and introduces cause. Philippians here, we see the same thing here. In Philippians. But sometimes community with the wrong attitude can go wrong. We see it in Genesis. I'm going to read uh, seven verses from Genesis chapter 11. These people had gotten together without God, and they said, let's build something. They started building a tower. It says in verse 1, it says of Genesis 11, At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language, and they used the same words. Unity. They were a community. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. And they began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. Let's get tools and supplies. In this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used instead of mortar. And they said, come, let us build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous. And they kept from being scattered all over the world. 
They want fame. They had their own interests in their own name and building their own name. Fame by itself is a divineless pursuit. They said, we can be famous without God. You can be famous for being faithful to God, but fame in itself is divineless pursuit. And they were chasing fame. But the Lord came down and looked at the city and the tower and the people that were building. He said, look, he said, the people are united and they speak all the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, confuse the people with different languages, and they won't be able to understand each other. It was amazing. They had community, but they had the wrong cause, and it displeased God. When God wants to build, he wants the right community, but he also wants the right cause. You can have the right people in the right room for the wrong reason, and it won't work. God will actually work against it. The Bible says, unless God builds the house, we labor in vain. You get the right people in the right place with the wrong motive, and it won't work. God actually works against you. That's why this church is working. We honestly believe like we have a cause that is divine by God. He is building the house. He is defending the house. And God is drawing brilliant people, the up and atoms and the down and outs, and bringing us all together and unifying around this cause, community and cause. Paul mentions that in this verse, in this chapter. He says this in verse 1. You'll see this here in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ together? He says, any comfort from his love and fellowship together. He says, hey, if you're going to do this walk, you need to know there's no lone rangers in this. You can't do this on your own with a podcast in your living room. You need to come together. Why? Do not forsake, do not forget the power of community. But then he goes on in verse 2 and says it's more than just community. He says this in verse 2. He says, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, again, community, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose, cause. My friend, when we gather together, it's more than just to be together. There is a purpose. There is a cause why we're together. Community and cause. The atmosphere of this church community demands that we get an attitude. I want to be known as a church with an attitude. What kind of attitude? Let's read in verse 5 that we're reading through this passage. Verse 5. Must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Our God is a God with an attitude. He has an attitude. You meet Jesus, that dude has an attitude. When you meet his church, that church has an attitude. And that attitude affects the atmosphere. So when Jesus walks in, the atmosphere always shifted and changed when he walked in. Why? Because he had an attitude. When I believe when the church walks into the city, if we have the attitude of Christ, the atmosphere has to shift when we walk in the room. If we have his attitude, then we have his atmosphere. And if we have his atmosphere, then we're going to have his altitude. And things have to change when we walked in. If we have the attitude Christ had, we'll see the same altitude that he achieved. The atmosphere must change when we have the right attitude. So what is this attitude of Christ? Paul is unpacking it. It says in verse 1, he says, this attitude that you're going after, get an attitude, church. In his prison cell, he says, church, get an attitude today. Don't be nonchalant. Don't be casual. Don't just be whatever happens will happen. As you gather together, get an attitude. What's that attitude look like? Verse 1, it says, be tender, hearted, and compassionate. It's so easy to get calluses on your heart, isn't it? Calluses, where do calluses come from? They come from being used a lot. I worked a, a, a manual labor job for 10 years before I moved to more of an office and 
preaching and church work. And it's amazing that when I worked manual labor, my, my hands were tough. Some of you are in construction, and some of you even go to the gym a lot. And you're, because of the use of your hands, you don't easily get blistered or hurt. You don't easily get torn. You don't easily get bruised. Why? Because how do you get calluses from a lot of use? When I moved to more office job away from me. It's amazing while I rake my lawn within 20 minutes, I'm like, ah, I got a blister. Why? Because overuse and use causes hardness. Sometimes that works at the negative in church. You ever feel hard in church? Maybe it's because you feel used. Sometimes it's when you're in the middle of the cause, you can feel used in community. They only want me for what I can do. It's easy to feel used in community. It's in family, in marriage, you feel used. I'm, I'm just the babysitter. I'm not even a partner in this. Or I just provide the money. Or sometimes in community, I'm just the one setting up or tearing down. Or I feel, feel used. Or we're just the ones leading this thing. And it's amazing that calluses come from being used. You ever feel used by somebody? Man, they just used me for my title or my position or what I could give them. They only use me for my deep pockets. They only use me for my connections and who I know. And all of a sudden, what happens? Your heart starts to harden towards them. Paul says, be tenderhearted and compassionate. When you join a community, it's, it's where you can feel used. Maybe disappointment, maybe lack of reciprocation. Maybe you feel like it's one-sided in a relationship. Maybe you feel unappreciated or maybe even just weariness and a hardness starts to rally around your heart. That's why Paul says, as you gather together, stay tender-hearted and compassionate. That's why Jesus uh, knew this and Paul knew this and that's why Paul encourages us, stay tender. How do you stay tender? By loving one another and working on the cause. You've got to put the cause first. In your focus, in your intention, in your motive. If you put the cause for, because what happens is you start to get used, and if it comes about you, you start realizing where you're not reciprocated in your giving. You feel underappreciated. You feel like you've been used and worked on. You say, hey, use me. When people do use you, sometimes you can start to feel hard. And Paul says, listen, stay tenderhearted and focus on the purpose. I have found in my life the hardness drops away when I keep the main thing the main thing. That's why Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Why? He said, in the middle of all of this, before you pray for forgiveness and forgive those that trespass against you, before you pray for your needs, before you pray for everything else, remember the main thing is the cause of Christ. Keep the purpose the main thing. It'll keep your hearts tender. Paul says, stay tenderhearted and compassionate. Why? How? 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 Focus on the purpose. My friend, I'm a broken record. I will always focus on the purpose of this church, of our family, of our life. We always say us millers, and we put our purpose out to our kids. Why? Because in the middle of it, we can feel like taxis for our kids. Our kids can feel like all they do is take out green bin and help out, and we can feel like we're only as good as our responsibility if we don't remember why we're doing it. God called us as a family. God called us as a church. God calls you to your assignment. If you keep the purpose the main thing, it'll keep your heart tender today. The cause dissolves calluses. You feel hard today in community? Do you feel hard in your, in, in your family? Do you feel hard? Go back to the purpose. It dissolves calluses. Goes back to it. You know what's amazing is when you start lifting weight and you remember why you're lifting weights, it's amazing how the calluses don't become a problem. They become an asset. I believe that God wants us to have soft hearts but tough hands because we love easy but we work hard. And the work make our hands hard, 
but the purpose keeps our hearts soft. Paul is encouraging us today to stay tender-hearted. Get an attitude that's bigger than you. What's this attitude look like? In verse 3, it says, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Jesus' attitude is one of generosity. I'm thankful for a generous church. But we can grow in generosity. We can grow in giving generosity. We can give in forgiving generosity. We can grow in a lot of generosity and grace. And we can, I can grow more as a leader. We can grow more. What's in Jesus' attitude look like? Well, Jesus is one of, of, of generosity. Jesus' default was to give. You know a default setting? You ever have an iPhone or a computer that keeps going back to a default setting and you try to change it but you can't fix the default? So when you restart your computer or your car, it goes back to where it used to be. Change the seats in my car, get it all comfortable, but it goes back to the default setting of where Nancy had it. I get back in the car, it's frustrating. How do you change your default setting? Jesus' default was generosity. When we have a Jesus attitude, our default is generosity. He gave second chances. It was his default to Peter. He gave the benefit of the doubt. That was his default to Judas. He knew Jesus, what Judas was up to, but he gave him the benefit of the doubt going, you know what? I'm just going to believe in you, Judas. I think I know how this is going to end, Judas, but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Why, Judas? Because you need to know that you may, not, you may betray me, but you still belong to me. Why? Because his default was one of giving. He gave his reputation to the woman at the well. He didn't care how it would look. He said, I'm going to give you what I have. Why? Because I'm generous, and my default is to give my reputation away. The Bible says he made himself of no reputation. His, gener his, his default was to give. He gave his life for all of us today. See, everybody has those two friends, don't they? Those, that one friend that when it, you're all eating together, they want to divide the bill evenly. You know those friends? They have a calculator ready at all times. Oh, yeah, there's six of us. The bill was this. Let's divide it to the penny. I only had water. You had a pop. So we're going to add $2, $3. And they, do you ever meet those people? We always have those two friends. One divides it to the cent, and the other friend's default is, I'll just take the bill. You know those friends? You need to get you some of those friends. Then you got to keep an eye on them because they don't go to the washroom. They go up to the waitress or the waiter, and they pay the bill. Don't you ever have those friends? I like those friends. I have some of those friends. We always have those two friends. One is like to the penny going, I just, we got to divide this down the middle. We're going on a road trip. Let's divide the kilometers evenly. No, and then you get the other friend goes, here's my gas card. I want to let you know that Jesus' default is generosity. He'd rather pay our bill than add up our sins. Jesus decided, you know what? I'm just going to pay the bill for sins you've done, sins you haven't done, sins you're going to do. I don't want to count it. I don't want to divide it. I don't want to say you're responsible for this and I'll cover this. I'm just going to pay the whole bill because I would rather pay the bill than count your sins one more time. That's the Jesus attitude. But did you hear what they said? Did you hear what they did? I don't know. Six years ago, I don't know. They, they broke my trust six years ago. Generosity is a Jesus attitude. I don't know. I, well, I don't know. Is, is that home a good place to give money? Generosity is to give. Give grace. Give second chances. Give benefit of the doubt. Give your money. Give your talents. Give your time. Give your influence. The default setting is give. If you're going to be like Jesus, get a Jesus attitude. Our default is to give people at work the benefit of the doubt. Give praises to the bosses. Give grace to your employees. You, your default setting is I want to give more than I take. That's a Jesus attitude. How do you get a Jesus attitude? It's also don't try to impress others. The Bible says here, he says, don't, he says, if you have a Jesus, get an attitude, don't try to impress others. Jesus' attitude is one of purpose, not position. He chose a lower position for a greater purpose. Purpose is always greater than position. 
with a Jesus attitude. Jesus didn't try to push a door open for himself. He became the door for someone else's promotion. He didn't say, here I am, I'm, I'm going to push a door open, I'm king, I'm making my way. He spent his life to be the door to make us promoted from being lost to being found, from being sinful to being holy, from being broken to being complete. And he became the door to which history, the hinges swing wide for us to move from where we were to where we're supposed to be. When you have a Christ attitude, a Jesus attitude, you don't kick doors open for yourself, you become a door for others. If I have anything that can help you get ahead, I'm going to do that. You want my position? You want my influence? You want my help? You want my time? You want my finances? And Jesus' attitude doesn't try to impress others. He doesn't. We as a church, we have to get an attitude that changes the atmosphere around us. Church, we're going into our third year. And I'm so thankful for what God has done. Look around. God has done something in our church. But it is just the beginning. We have to get an attitude that changes the atmosphere around us, and our atmosphere is our city. We won't think small. We refuse to settle for small thinking. We will be multi-services and multi-sites. We will have a building of our own. We are going to help widows and orphans in need. We are going to reach uh, refugees coming to our city. We're going to help single moms. We're going to help the broken, the down and out, the up and atom. We will not think small. We refuse to. Small thinkers will have to leave because we refuse to think small. We refuse to. As we work through it in God's grace and timing and doing things with wisdom, we refuse to think small. We won't be easily offended. Shake off offense, tries to take you out. Offense tries to take you out. Why? Because the cause is bigger than what we are in and the atmosphere is determined by the attitude and the attitude can't be easily offended. We won't be deterred from our cause. Won't be deterred. You cannot stop us. You will not stop us. You can pull back. You can hold back. You can criticize. And that's fine. We give grace and we give love. But we will not slow down. We will not stop. And what is our cause? To help those that are far from God become close to God. To remove barriers. What stops people from encountering Christ? That's our mission. Well, they, they don't know if they dress right. Then we will dress however we need to reach them. They don't understand the music, then we will sing music, amazing music that we know and we write. Why? Because we're trying to get people far from God. Well, we're going to just, it's a lot for young families. We're going to help young families and give them backpacks and, and give them a space and give them community. Why? Because we're going to help those that are far from God become close to God. And when we keep the cause the main thing, it keeps your heart soft. You don't try to impress others. You live generous. You make room for people. That's what we have to do. Keep the main thing the main thing to build a community around the cause of helping those far from God become close to God. Here's the truth. There's areas of my life where I'm far from God and I want to become closer to God. This is not a sinner thing. This is a person thing. I need to be closer to God in some areas. Some areas I'm better than others, but I want this community to propel me to be closer to God. We want to propel you. No matter if you've been in this for 50 years or five minutes, we want to help you get closer to God. Let me ask you today, how's the atmosphere around your life? Let me ask you today, how's the atmosphere around your life? Which leads me to the next thought, how's the attitude in your heart today? How's your heart? Time's getting away today, but I want to pray for some people. But all over this place, can we stand to our feet, all of us today? We're going to sing this song. As we sing this song, here's a thought in your mind. Please, if you can help it, please don't leave right now. This is a moment. Because if we can get your attitude right, if I can get my attitude right, 
the atmosphere will look after itself. If the atmosphere is right, there's no limit to what God wants to do in my life and in our church. As we sing this song, how's the atmosphere of your life? How's your attitude? How's your heart? Come on, let's sing this together.